We're going to be in Romans chapter 5 today. We continue our study through the book of Romans. That's uh, what we do at Calvary Chapel. We go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And as we go through this, we don't want to miss anything. A lot of times Paul will reiterate things that we've heard before. Good to hear them again. They're important if we're hearing them again. And today uh, we're going to hear things similar to what we've been hearing, uh, but it's important for us to actually hear them. So we start off uh, in verse 1. Today's uh, message, by the way, is titled, Who Do You Trust? We start off in verse 1 where we read, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So Paul once again is hitting on this message of faith and grace and how we have access to that. We have access to faith and grace through Jesus Christ. It's not something that we have earned because of anything that we have done except having faith. It's having faith that gets us to where we are. We, we learned last time about Abraham and his faith. His faith was before works, was before the law. His faith was in God because God said it, he believed it. And we still live by that today. And when we need grace... There's an abundance of grace. He provides everything that we need. So we're told that because of our faith in him, we're justified. Justified means just as if we didn't sin. That's hard for us to accept because we're not perfect. Because we know that we're still sinners in this, as long as we're in this body, we're subject to sin because our flesh is the problem and our mind is the problem but we're told that we can have a foundation of grace through faith in Jesus Christ that's a reason to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God Jesus was praying to the father in John 17 22 and he told us we're going to be part of that grace this is what he said and the glory which you, he's speaking of God, gave me, Jesus, I gave to them, the apostles, that they may be one just as we are one. Isn't that cool? So he received the glory from God to himself and then he gave it to the apostles. Do you know when the apostles were looking at each other, they didn't see the glory. And sometimes in our own lives, we don't see the glory, but that same glory is in us in the form of the Holy Spirit. But we may not see it. Instead, we may see someone and say, oh, they're judgmental. Oh, 
they're too harsh, they're too mean, they're too critical, they're too whatever. And you may be right, but it's not for us to judge each other like that. It's for us to make sure that our hearts aren't like that. We start here with our own hearts. We start with saying, you know what, Lord, I know they're a little rough around the edges. You're still working on their life. You know, he that began the good work, he's going to complete it. So we have to wait for that time. But we don't wait by sitting around. We wait by being obedient to the word of God, by understanding the word of God, what it means, and being obedient, trusting the word of God. The glory which the Father gave to Jesus, he gave to the disciples, and he's still giving to us today in the form of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we don't see it as evident as we'd like to, but it's not about whether or not we're seeing it. Faith is trusting in something you can't see. And that's talking about God, not about something we can't see as like the government. Because, uh, you know, you can have faith in the government, you'll be disappointed a lot. So, there's more in verse 3. This is great. It's getting good now. Paul says in verse 3, and not only that, but we also glory in... Oh, prosperity. We also, no, that's not what it says. It, it says, we also glory in tribulations. I know that no one here is thinking, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. That's not the kind of glory that we want, right? I, I want a glory in perfect health. I want a glory in this perfect body that I'm living in. Oh, stop laughing. Boy, she, she let that chuckle out, boy. She, she you know, when we can't glory in these things because they're not true. We, we don't have them like that. But we can glory. What does it say? It, it, it says knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. That word perseverance means that there's a struggle, that there's tribulation, and that's why we're persevering. You don't have to persevere if you hit the lottery, right? You're not, oh, well, I'm, I'm persevering. This man, all this money is just killing me. You know, it, you know, you're not persevering, but when you're worried about money, when you're worried about your health, when you're worried about your family, now it's a struggle. Now you have trials, tribulations that you go through, loss, losing your job. Oh, that's rough. And now I'm persevering. Persevering means that I'm giving it to God even though I don't feel like it, even though I don't want to, I'm going through despite the difficulties, I'm going to give this to God. I'm going to persevere. I'm not going to try to run away from it, but I'm just going to go through it, giving this to God. If we have failures in our life, 
sometimes that's where we have to persevere. You know, failure doesn't mean it's over. Failure just means I'm going to have to do something different or better the next time. And we can also experience oppression from others. And, and persevering is just dealing with it, going through that, praying to the Lord about that relationship. And that's how we build. If we didn't have trials and tribulations, we wouldn't be able to build perseverance. And then we're told perseverance builds character. Now, if someone tells you, hey, you're a real character, that may not be a good thing. But we're supposed to build godly character in our lives. That's the kind of character that God wants to build in our lives. These are mental and moral characteristics that are part of our life that make us unique. And so when we are building godly characteristics, people see Jesus in us. People see, oh, that's someone different. That's someone living by a different set of rules. The world doesn't live by this set of rules. The world makes up their own rules half the time. The world is trying to figure things out without God. And we see how well that's working out. Boy, they've solved all the problems, haven't they? No, because man doesn't have solutions without God. We need God-centered solutions to our problems. And then once you build character, then character produces hope. And when we have hope, then we can trust in the things of God. We believe in things that are coming because God told them to us. We read them in his word and we know they're coming because he was the one that told us this is what I'm doing. This is what I have planned. All his plan is laid out right here. Isn't that great? We have the end of the story right here in our hands. All we have to do is read it and believe it. And we know that because we're believers in Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, we're not exempt from trouble. We're going to go through trouble. We're going to experience different problems. And now hope does not disappoint, verse 5, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we have the Holy Spirit, and he is the one that fills our hearts and reminds us of the hope that we have. He reminds us of the things, the promises that God has made to us. And so now I can trust in the things of God. I can trust in the hope that was placed in my heart from God. But if I don't start with perseverance, if I don't have tribulation, if I try to get out of tribulation without going through it, I'll never build hope. It never gets to that point where I develop hope. 
if I'm focused on eliminating trials, then I'm missing out. It's not going to benefit me. It, it, it's kind of like, how in the world did I manage to build this wonderful physique? Well, if I work out three times a week in the gym for one hour a day, I wouldn't look like this. But I look like this because I don't go to the gym and work out three times a week for one hour. I, I, I just don't exercise like I should. And if I did, I would build a, a better physique, a better, I would feel better. I, I, I would, you know, feel better about myself. I would have a better, so, you know, I know, pray for me. Thank you. And, and so prayer goes a lot longer than exercise anyway. But anyway, my hope is in that I will all of a sudden miraculously wake up one morning with muscles. <laughs> But that's ridiculous. That's putting my hope in something ridiculous. I need to experience trials and tribulations, the struggles of exercise, to get to a point where I am going to see the result. And the result is my hope that it's going to do something good for my body. Well, spiritually, we have to realize that too. This spiritually is more important. Bodily exercise is good for a little bit, but spiritual exercise is much more important for us. We need to be spiritually strengthened so that we can do the things that God wants us to do spiritually. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That means that when the time was right, God came and died for the ungodly. The ungodly are everyone from the time of Adam on. Okay, once Adam sinned, everyone was ungodly from that point on because everyone that was reproduced from that sin was produced with sin in their lives. And so that's why... God sent his son so that Christ died for all the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. We, we don't just give up our lives, you know, and unless there's a good cause, unless there's someone we really love, unless there's someone that's really righteous. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus fulfilled the promises of the Old Testament by coming and dying for us and then making a way for us to spend eternity with him. Much more than having, uh, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Wow. That's deep. Since we're justified by him, we're going to be saved from wrath through him. What wrath are we talking about? Well, there are two different wraths we're talking about here. One is the wrath of being eternally separated from God in hell. 
That's wrath. That's eternal wrath of being separated from God in hell. But I believe that this has a dual meaning also. That we are going to be exempt from the wrath of God that's going to be poured out on the earth. We're not going to be going through the tribulation period that's coming to earth. That seven year period that's going to take place right before the second coming of Christ. You see, that is reserved for those who are against God. Those who don't accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That seven year period is really meant to get the attention of the Jews. You see, that's the 70th week of Daniel that's being played out there in that last seven years. But it says that we are exempt. So now there are different views of what that means. Some people believe in a premillennial, pre-tribulational rapture of the church. That's what we believe here in Calvary Chapel. You don't have to believe that to be a member here, but that's what we believe because my study of the word of God tells me that's what's going to happen. And, and so I look at all the scriptures and I come to that conclusion that that's what's going to happen. Some people have a pre-wrath view of the rapture. Well, pre-wrath, I believe the rapture is what starts the wrath of God here on earth. It's the beginning of the wrath of God. So if it's pre-wrath, then it's pre-millennial. But some people believe, oh no, it's not going until the middle and then right around then is when you can believe that and you can stay if you want. But I guarantee if you read Revelation, you won't want. You won't want to be here. So, um, you know, this is Jesus delivering us from the wrath. Jesus even said that he's going to, well, first of all, Paul said it in 1 Thessalonians 1.10. Paul said, that the church should wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And so he is going to come and deliver us from the wrath to come, right? And then in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, Jesus tells us, because you have kept my commandments to persevere, same word. Perseverance. To persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. You see, he's going to test the whole world, those dwelling on the earth. If we're believers, we're not going to be tested so we're not going to be here. That's why we're gone. It's to test the whole world, all the believers, all the unbelievers that are on the faith. Now, here's the thing. Rapture happens. You know there are going to be lots of people that all of a sudden become believers because they've been hearing about this for many years. And now it happens and they're going to say, oh my goodness, they were right. And 
they're going to commit their lives to Christ. Many will commit their lives to Christ right at that moment because that's undeniable truth that Jesus is who he said he was and he did what he said he was going to do and we had told them about it. And so they're going to get saved, but they have to go through the tribulation now. Many of them will be martyred because of that. We watched the movie Polycarp last night and watched what, Poly if you haven't seen it, it's kind of cool movie, it was on Amazon. Polycarp, who was 155 AD, who was a martyr uh, because he wouldn't, um, you know, follow Rome. He wouldn't do what Rome told him to do. And so he just kept preaching the gospel. He kept teaching uh, the word of God. And, uh, you know, then eventually he was martyred for this. I, I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but um, he, he dies in the end. Um, so, because that's what a martyr is. Someone that died, Well, I'm not going to ruin it, but watch the movie or read up on Polycarp and, and see how he showed his faith all the way to the very end. Jesus didn't say he would be here for us. He didn't say, okay, when you're going through the trials and everything, and, and start, I'm going to be there with you. He didn't say that. He said, we're not going to be there. We're not going to go. We're going to be taken away from the wrath when the wrath is poured out. We're not going to be, we're going to be kept from the trial. So the trial's coming. It's, um, and we can see there are days right now where we're watching this take place right before our very eyes, right? And we're saying, wow, Jesus has got to be right around the corner. He, he's got to be mounting the horse, getting ready to come. You know, that would be exciting to see, right? You know, uh, you know, just to get a glimpse of Jesus getting on the horse. You know, oh, he's coming. Well, we don't know. He may be on the horse right now, just sitting there. The horse is eating some hay, and he's getting ready to come. And he's going to come in the clouds. This isn't when he comes with all of the saints. This is when he comes to pick up the saints. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that day. I believe it's, it's close. But it may not be. No matter what, don't put your trust in what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. Put your trust in the fact that Jesus said he's going to do it. And whether he does it today, tomorrow, the next day, when I have found in my life, whenever I thought Jesus was going to do something and I thought it was going to be by this day, I was wrong most of the time. Now, I'm not saying I'm wrong about Jesus returning soon. I believe we're in that season. You see, we don't know the day or the hour, but we know the season. We're told that, that we can know the season. And I believe we're seeing the season come to fruition right now. And so as we see the season, then we know his return is approaching. We just need to be ready 
regardless of whether or not it's today, tomorrow, or 10 years from now. We need to be ready. That's what he calls us to do. So verse 9 confirmed what Paul said, that we should be saved from the wrath through Jesus. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we should be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have now received the reconciliation. We are now children of the living God. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we become children of God. We have entered into eternity at that time. I, I know it doesn't feel like that because I don't want to go through eternity in this body, we're not going to. Thank goodness. We're going to have new bodies. Things are going to get better. But from that moment on, the promise of eternity, the hope of eternity has been delivered to us. And so the Holy Spirit has now been our down payment, our guarantee for what's to come. I'm looking forward to that. Jesus did all the hard work. Now all I have to do is endure living on this earth. Hey, we live in Fountain Hills. We don't live in Syria. We don't live in Iran. We don't live in some third world country. We live in Fountain Hills. We have it pretty good. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to see the good things that God has blessed us with and miss out on the fact that there is persecution going on in the world right now. There are many believers that are suffering persecution all over the world. But sometimes we lose sight of that because of how good we have it. So as we read the word of God, we shouldn't read it as if, as if it's happening to someone else. It's for us. It's so that we can be prepared for what Jesus is going to do next. And it's happening at an accelerated pace. Have you ever imagined you would see what we're seeing going on in the world today? It doesn't make sense, does it? It's confusing even because we see it happening and, and we think uh, this doesn't make sense. But people are fully supporting the slippery slide into evil. And I'm not on here as a political commentator. I'm on here representing the idea that Jesus Christ is our salvation, no one else on earth. I don't care who the president is, they're not going to be able to save us from what's to come. Only Jesus. So let's continue putting our trust in him. Amen?